Hello, welcome to episode 94 of Tommy G Talks. In this episode, I'm joined by the fantastic Heather Monaghan. This is a great episode. Heather is an awesome person. She's an author. She's a professional speaker. And she was also recently on the Gary V Audio Experience, which is one of my favorite podcasts and one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Heather also did a TEDx talk exactly the same day as me, which is really weird. Um, you're going to really enjoy this episode. It covers a lot to do with confidence and how to deal with nerves and how to step up, take risks and get noticed. So remember, as always, screenshots, messages, send them all to me at Tommy Gentleman on Twitter and or Instagram. And I'll look forward to hearing what you make of this episode. All right, let's get stuck in. Deeper into the truth. Heather, thank you so much for being here today as a guest on Tommy G Talks. It's really awesome to have you here. Um, could you go and just explain to my audience here who you are, what you do, and more importantly, why you do it? Sure. So I my background is in corporate America. I was in um, sales and sales leadership for 20 years in the media business. And two years ago, I was fired when the CEO that I worked for became ill and he elevated his daughter to replace him. So I had never been fired in my life and it was a really hard time for me. But basically what's happened since then is I wrote and self-published my first book called Confidence Creator. It went number one in business biographies in Trump Trump. And yes, I saved the screenshot of that one. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really great screenshot. And then from there, I, I decided, you know, I wanted the book to do well. So I researched how do you sell books and it became apparent that speaking was an important part. And I had spoken for 20 years in corporate America, but I had never been paid for it. I didn't even know there was a speaking business. And so I just started speaking everywhere. And I got picked up by Harry Walker Speaker Agency, GDA Speakers, Big Speak, APB Speakers. And my speaking career really took off in the last year. And then I just gave my first TEDx talk. That was a little over a week ago. Now it hasn't come out yet. I wrote my second book over the past few months. And I launched my own podcast with Podcast One called Creating Confidence a few months ago. Well, you've been extremely busy. And I love how you've just implemented time and time again to get it there. Because we're talking, what, two years? Two years, yes. Two years. I mean, that's amazing. Some of the things that you've done there, people would spend much longer than that thinking about it, let alone doing it. So um, huge credit to you. Now, just tell me, when was the date of your TEDx talk? October 26th. Yeah. So do you want to know something really funny? You had yours the same day. <laughs> exactly the same day. Exactly the same day. You and I were on the red dot. How about that? Thank God it's over. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you go ahead and uh, share your experience of that? Well, first of all, just to land the TED Talk, it took me a year. I a year ago, I you know I took out a Google alert and I was applying to just every single potential TED Talk, and I kept being told no. And then I met this woman who was actually on the TED team in Boca Raton, and she had seen me speak, and she was encouraging me to apply. And so she ended up talking me through. One of the things that I did wrong that I want to share with people is I was pitching myself as such a great speaker. And I made every pitch about me and why I'm a great speaker. What I should have been doing was making the pitch about the big idea and how it tied into their theme. And so that was a really, you know, and I share that with people because I was doing it wrong and I was wasting my time for a year, which is frustrating. So, you know, sometimes it, it helps to consult someone that's an expert in that arena. And that this woman really helped me to refine my pitch. And I did get picked up by TEDx Boca Raton, who gave me an opportunity 
But, you know, I'll tell you, they, at first they accepted my concept. I was going to speak about C students transitioning to the C-suite and why average students make excellent leaders. They accepted that idea. And then a couple months before my talk, they rejected it. So I had already, I had planned a talk and then I had to scrap that talk. And they came back and we brainstormed. And the new talk that I actually gave is called The Me Too Movement, Misstep or Mistake. And it's really evaluating the relationship of the Me Too movement and what they've done to focus on men harassing women in the workplace and expand that movement to include women harassing women in the workplace. And so it was definitely a big risk. It was a a very uh, dicey topic to take on, but I'm glad I did it. The response was really fantastic, but mostly I'm just glad it's done. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, so the the first one got rejected. Did you then go and navigate to that topic or did you take advice and did you find that you were nudged towards that? We had a conference call there. The team is pretty big in Boca Raton and, and basically they said, you know, what are some of the other topics you'd be willing to address? And we just threw out, you know, a bunch of, it was just like a brainstorming meeting and threw out a bunch of different concepts and, you know, and then we took a week to go back and think about it. And everybody individually went back and thought and, you know, I refined this idea, which was, you know, telling my personal story of being fired by a woman when I was excelling at work and how hard that was. And then weaving in, you know, some, some, some bigger, bigger pop culture topics as well. Yeah, cool. And looking back now, um, how do you feel about that topic having now covered it on the red dot? Oh, I'm so glad I did. It came out great. Yeah, good. How buzzing are you about the video, by the way? What's that? What's that? How excited are you about the video coming out? I don't know when don't it will know come, when out, it will so come out, so it's kind of frustrating. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. It's just every day, just like refresh, refresh, refresh. Like, come exactly. on. Yeah, so um, you talked a little bit there. You mentioned taking a risk um, with that particular topic and you know showing up in that way. We were having a bit of a laugh on social media about like the wardrobe changes, um, that it was a big deal, you know, choosing what to wear. Um, how, how important was the TEDx experience for you in your career line and progression? Oh, huge. It's so interesting. Forbes did an article yesterday and they covered me and the TEDx talk in it. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't have gotten, you know, that type of exposure if it hadn't been for that red dot. So, you know, know, just just the affiliation and the credibility that you get is huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well done for doing that. Now taking risks is important. I think that a lot of people who would be listening to this right now would have something that they wish they could do. Um, Maybe they haven't had that intervention yet where something was forced upon them, where the change was enforced outside of their control, like losing their job, like getting fired, like whatever it is that can be the catalyst to change. For someone that's just sat in a neutral position right now, really wants to do something, has that itch inside of them, wants to do that thing. They've known it for a long time, but they're just holding back and they need to take a risk in order to get there. What would be your biggest advice that you could give that person? Fear is a green green light light that means go. Oh, nice. We need to to look look at at fear fear in a different different way than what we were taught when we were children. children. Mm. And so for for me, me, every every time time I step step into into fear, great things happen. happen. Could you give us another example of that? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, writing and self-publishing my first book, Confidence Creator, was hands down the scariest thing I've ever done professionally. And people in my life, my own family told me not to do it. And what I've learned along the way is you need to thank others for their self-limiting beliefs and hand them right back to them. And you need to move forward with your inner voice, your mission. And, you know, I talk a lot about firing the villains in your life. Sometimes those villains are real jerks and you need to get rid of them and protect yourself. But sometimes it can be family members and people that love you, but just have their own fears and their own issues. And they're trying to protect you. And it's about creating boundaries to let them know, I understand your concerns and I appreciate that you're trying to protect me. However, I'm going to go ahead and move forward with my plan because this is what works for me. Love it. And it takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to be in that position and to go ahead and, you know, do that. Now, I wrote a book uh, this year, actually, called Back Yourself. And the tagline was to transform challenge into confidence. So there's another bit of synergy there with you and I. Now, when I released it, the day after, I felt so vulnerable. What about you? Oh, my gosh. I felt horrible. It was it was definitely the hardest. My book is a compilation of my lowest moments in my life. So I talk about getting arrested. I talk about getting divorced. I talk about getting fired. You know, and to share those level of fails and embarrassments and step into that shame publicly was petrifying. Yeah, I totally, totally understand because that's exactly what I felt as well. Although I knew that the things that I'd said, you know, that they were just purely the truth about my life. So there's no way that somebody could say it was right or wrong or whatever, but I still felt like, oh my God, this has gone out to the world now. Anybody can go and find this information out, my deepest thoughts and feelings. But then the advantage of somebody picking that up and experiencing some kind of positive shift outweighs that for me. What about you? Well, and yeah, well, it's absolutely the fact that you can help one other person is the driving force for sure in launching the book. But in the end, it really helped me, which is not something I expected. It made me such a more confident, powerful version of myself. I mean, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't have given that TED Talk had I not already written that book and put it out to the world because I became so much stronger. And confidence is a muscle that you need to strengthen. And every time you take a risk, every time you step into that fear, every time you hand back other self-limiting beliefs and listen to your inner voice and act on it, you become such a stronger, more unstoppable version of yourself. Oh, that's powerful. That is powerful. I love those words. Thank you. Now, um, you, I, I actually remember listening to, I think, quote me if I'm wrong, we're going to go talk about the Gary V thing now. Now, he was a guest <laughs> on your podcast. Yes. Am I right in thinking episode one? Number one. Yeah. Go big or yeah, go home yeah, with yeah. Gary V. Oh, yeah. That was good. I'm glad that that was you. So I remember listening to that episode and I remember thinking, wow, what an incredible way of opening your podcast. This person must be a real force. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't just happen. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, that's really, you know, interesting. And I think listened to it and took a few things out of it, got on with my life, got on with my day. And then a few days ago, I think like three or four days ago, I'm sat on the bike uh, in the gym here. So I, I'm a gym owner as well, as well. So I'm sat here in the gym and uh, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm looking through episodes. I choose, if you don't ask, you don't get and the storyline is the the person who Gary V is talking to on the podcast is the same woman who had him on her podcast in episode one. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let's hear what these guys are going to talk about. And then all of a sudden, there was just synergy after synergy, coincidence after coincidence. And that 
has what is what brought us to having this conversation here right now because you put on your Instagram hey what would you like to ask for today and uh, I put in the box there how would you like to be a guest on on my podcast and you said yes which I'm massively grateful for so thank you now that that in itself was you know I'm pretty romantic when it comes to those kind of stories and intertwining things I really really enjoy that side of life and I think um, we should pay attention to those kind of things now when it comes to getting noticed because you would have had to have behaved in a certain way that would have taken courage and creativity to be no- to be noticed in that way in the first place you know what is that all about because so many people try and they try and maybe they just don't go there enough to get noticed in the way that they need to to start that opportunity mill moving what's your advice there on getting noticed and is there anything you can share with us today about what you did in the first place to kind of open the door there yeah, sure. So I, again, I was in sales and sales leadership for 20 years. That's all I did. My job was to get noticed. Sure. So I, I, I'm somewhat of an expert in this. You know, I, I understand for a lot of people, it's a challenge. For me, it was a way of life and it still is. So that's why it's so important for everyone to refine your sales skills, lean into sales, because if whether you're selling your husband on going out to dinner tonight or you're selling a multi-million dollar deal to a large brand, we are all in sales. And I've really embraced that my whole life. So When I knew I was going to launch my show, I thought to myself, the best way to get exposure and launch with a bang is to get a massive guest. There's no one bigger than Gary Vee. That's my target. Mm -hmm. And I was DMing him. You know, I was trying every way I could to get a hold of him and I was failing. So I Googled him and I found that he had just launched a new company, Empathy Wines, with a partner, John Troutman. And so I figured John Troutman's probably easier to get to than Gary Vaynerchuk. So I started stalking John Troutman online and I was able to connect with him on LinkedIn and he responded to me immediately. And I explained to him, John, I have a background in the wine business. I ran the state of Massachusetts at a very young age. I've been running companies for, with worth hundreds of millions of dollars for the past two decades. I know sales and I know wine. I can help you move cases. Can we jump on a call? And so I, I told, I basically, I was offering him a solution to a problem he has. He's trying to sell wine, right? And I was offering him a solution. So we connected based on that topic. And while we were on the call, I was sharing some different ideas and strategies that have worked for me in the wine business. And I said, John, is there any way that you could help me get an interview with Gary V? He said, yeah, he's my partner. I said, listen, I don't care how many cases of wine you need to move. You give me a number and I'll make a commitment to you. I'll help get that wine move. I will help you sell your wine if you land Gary as a guest for me. And so he did. And I did move wine for him. And so that was the that's how I got Gary on my show. Then when I was on Gary's show, I was in New York and I spoke to Gary's assistant when I was walking in who someone it's his right hand and his name's Tyler. And I said, Tyler, do me a favor. And he said, what's that? I said, I want to be a guest on Gary's show. What's the best way to go about that? And he said, if I was you, Heather, I'd ask him while you're on air. Cause that way he can't back out of it. I said, okay, thank you for the advice. <clears throat> and then we're on the interview. The interview went great. He opened up about his family. It's such a great episode. I, I really love this episode. It's the most downloaded episode I've, I've ever aired. And at the very end, I said, Gary, I wouldn't be Heather Monaghan if I didn't come in and, and ask you for something. And he said, yeah, shoot, go ahead. And we were still on air. 
And I said, listen, I would love the opportunity to bring value to your audience and share my story of overcoming adversity and how I did it. Can I be a guest on your show? So I went for the close live on air and he said, yes. He said, yes, done. Now that was the easy part. And what people need to understand is that happened May, I think it was May 15th or 14th. Here we are. It's November. It took me six months of following up, six months of being creative, six months of not annoying, but teetering that line between staying relevant, staying in front of them, because these guys are exceptionally busy. They have thousands of people every day trying to get to them. And I wasn't a priority and I had to become a priority again. And so you know, my strategy was really to stay focused on his assistant because I had a rapport there with him. You know, I'd met him and we had connected and gotten along. So I was just sending him DMs, sending emails, sending text messages. Then I'd follow up with his other partner, John Troutman, asking him for help. And it took six months before I could finally get the date. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm like super grateful that you've shared that here because the message for me, I mean, you could go lots of different ways here. And I'm also very aware that we could actually be going over very familiar ground here. So I'm going to bring something different into the mix here. I think that what you've really shone with there is just consistency to your, what you believe in and to what you want to do, what what outcomes you want to achieve. The consistency to do that time and time and time again. And I'm sure there would have been moments where you were, you know, teetering over that send button and you just thought, is this going to be a bit too much now? You know, is this a, is this another email? Is this another DM? But you did it and you stayed consistent and you stayed true to yourself and it worked. And how has it been since? Cause I'm assuming that you've probably had quite a lot of messages and new listeners and new followers. What's it been like? So yeah, it's been funny. It's a bit overwhelming because Gary and I were talking about how I need my own D-Rock. And he said, well, you need to get a, an intern. Someone needs to work for you for free, you know, getting the opportunity for you to mentor them. And then they're going to bring you content, et cetera. So I have had hundreds of people send me applications to be my intern. And it's been a bit overwhelming because I don't like not getting back to people, but it's, there's so many people. it's just, it's kind of, it's been crazy. Yeah. And um, what would, um, I mean, did you know that it was going to be, well, I guess not the same time as the TEDx talk and everything. And it was all going to come to this big, like big boom of, of ripples that you'd be sending out onto the internet. Yeah, I did that strategically. And now I regret that now, but back then when I was trying to, you know, get in as soon as I could, as far as close to the Ted talk, I wanted to have the Gary V episode launch in my mind. I didn't know that Ted does not release the videos immediately. So I thought it was very, it was brilliant that my Ted talk would drop live, you know, the day after I thought it would drop on the 27th. And then here I would be a week later on Gary V. So everyone would download the Ted talk and it would go viral. That was my strategy. So I did not have all the information and realize that it could be a month or even longer before the TED Talk comes out. Got yeah. Well, hey, I'm super excited for when it comes out. And I think, uh, you know, you're doing so much proactive work out there that it's just going to be awesome to watch those views go up. Now, just to conclude this point of getting noticed, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could give someone who, you know, they're, they're going about there every day. Maybe they're just not breaking through that, that ice there. What, what advice could you give someone? 
don't give up, right? 99% of the world gives up. And that's why that 1% gets to shine. People say to me, oh, two years, this has been so fast. For me, there's been countless times that I thought about giving up. How am I going to break through? How can I break through the noise? It's about staying committed, holding yourself accountable and keeping that vision of what you actually want to achieve. And just realize if success was easy, everybody would have it, right? It's because it's hard that you can't give up because you never know what you could be so close to your breakthrough. And that's sort of how, when I look back over the last two years, I see there have been pivotal moments where I thought I can't push any harder. I can't, I, you know, the podcast one deal was falling apart at one point in time and it took months to get that thing off the ground. And there were so many times I thought, forget it, this isn't happening. I'm just going to give up. And then I'd wake up the next day and say, all right, I'm going to try one more time. And thank goodness I did because that one last time is the day they signed me. Right. So it's don't give up on you just stay 100% committed to your vision and take that next step and and go for it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's so it's so easy sometimes to be able to hear that, but then to really do it when you're at your lowest point or when you feel like giving up, we just hope that these consistent messages that we put out there just get past and make a dent on someone so that they can or, or stumble across, you know, your content, my content, other people that are saying the same kind of thing to just get back up again, just get back up and just go for it one more time because you never know, I guess, when you're an inch from gold. Now, well, I'll tell you, you know, what's funny is when I was actually on the TEDx stage, I speak all the time. That's my number one revenue source is speaking. And I, this was very different. Giving a TED talk is very different than just giving a normal speech. And I panicked all of a sudden. I I was the first speaker to go on and there were so many speakers in the, you know, green room. Everyone was nervous because most of them don't speak. Typically the vibe was really awful. People were, you know, freaking out. And for some reason I took that vibe on, which has never, happened to me in my life before. And suddenly I felt paralyzed. I thought, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do it. And that's never happened. So I stood backstage and this is, you know, I just want people to know it's not always easy, you know, putting yourself out there. It's scary. And even for me with my Ted talk, I almost didn't do it. And I remember standing there and they were calling my name to go out there. And in my mind, I said this, And I literally almost didn't go. I said to myself, Heather, if you go out there and bomb right now, but you walk out there, I will be so proud of you. If you don't walk out there right now, you will never forgive yourself. And when that thought crossed my mind, I just started walking. Like I I just forced myself to take that step out there. And then, you know, the rest is history. It worked out. That's some real serious positive self-talk there. And I think if anyone can bring a message, whatever that message is into your mind in that moment of doubt, then you can take that step forward that you need to take. It's really strange that you've shared that because I felt so nervous about the the TED talk myself. Like I was sure. really, I, I was having conversations Heather with some of the other speakers and it was a similar kind of thing. And I was actually last on the, on the speaker lineup. So everyone kept saying to me, Oh, you're our finale. Oh, you're the professional. Oh, you're the one that's supposed to be good. And I was right. like, geez, like this is the similar kind of thing. A lot of people on the, on the lineup hadn't had as much experience. Um, and I found myself having the the strangest, most pointless, nervous conversations with people backstage. I was right. like, I was like talk, I'm, I'm talking and I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about here? And I'm right. like, but now I can't get out of it. And now I'm trying to talk myself out of it by going, oh yeah, but you don't know about that because you wouldn't know because you don't know that guy that I live next to. And I'm, I'm like, just shut up, just shut up, go and sit down. <laughs> and then I start talking about, I'm like, right, I'm going to go and sit down over here now. And I'm going to go and listen to my music. And I'm probably going to listen to three songs. And I'm like, just shut up, just shut up, go and sit down, 
go and do your thing. And I was like pacing up and down. And then I'd like have a blank and I'd forget what I was going to say. And then I'm like, yes. And I walked Same on. Thing. And I remember like the, the, the lady who invited me on, um, the, the organizer, I kind of lingered for half a second because I thought she was going to give me a hug. And I was like, and in my head, I was like, oh, this is awkward. Like, this is a really awkward start. <laughs> I'm like, people are looking at me now. The lights are on me and I'm sort of, do I hug you? Do I not hug you? And she kind of disappeared. So I was like, oh, this is it. And like, you won't, I don't know if people will be able to see it or not, but if you're listening to this now, when you watch it, the first thing I say is I just go, Hi. I'm just like, what the heck was that? Like, that wasn't part of the script. And I remember standing there for like a split second being like, dickhead, this is it, go. Because I, I just I just walked into the spot and went, hi. And I was like, oh. No, we, we, we were the same. You and I handled the same. We were both completely, didn't anticipate that coming, but both panicked. I mean, it's it, yeah. people don't understand that dynamic because there's so many restrictions. You can't leave that red circle. You have that clock ticking right in front of you. There's all this pressure that you're supposed to be a professional speaker and be so good. And so it, it's come natural, but it's not what you, it's not a normal talk. It's so, it's very different. Yeah. You and I definitely handle it the same way. That's hysterical. Was, was there a standout moment for you while you you were in the moment, but in it. When I was giving my talk, yeah, I have a really powerful ending to my talk, and I'm really proud. I'm very, very proud of it. And so, once for me, the the what I didn't like about the TED Talk was that framing up the big idea. It was that's different than how I typically speak. I usually just you know kind of speak more freely and tell stories, and I had to frame up the idea. So the first half of the first five minutes of my talk were very hard for me because that was new. But the last five minutes and the, the ending was like that's my wheelhouse. I knew I'd crush that part. So for me, getting to that second part of the TED Talk, that's when I really started stepping into my power, and I felt so incredibly strong because I knew the hard part was behind me and now I was just being me. And that was my whole thing. When I can finally get to the point where I'm just being me, I'm going to kill this thing. And so I was so excited at the end, but much like you at the end, I, I anticipated I would get a standing ovation Okay. And not because I, I'm not saying this because I'm full of myself. I'm saying it because typically when I speak, I get a standing ovation. So I stayed out there for a minute, like how you lingered in the beginning. I lingered in the end because I thought I was going to get a standing. Oh, and I didn't. And I'll tell you, that was that awkward moment for me. So I had this like killer ending and I felt so amazing. And then I stood there and hesitated and hesitated. And then I, I suddenly realized I'm not getting a standing. Oh, I got to get out of here. And so there was that awkward moment at the end for me where I had to run off and it was, I, then I, I was laughing backstage about, it. I'm like, well, uh, I don't know how that go. Cause I didn't get a standing O and everyone was cracking up, but yeah, I wonder if that's going to be seen on, on the video, just like how you wonder about the beginning. I guess those moments seem so much longer in our heads than they do in real life, though. You know, that's what I'm totally. hoping for anyway. Do you think, though, in I hindsight, agree. if you weren't first, do you think maybe that, that would have been a different outcome? I mean, it doesn't really matter, yeah. but... Yeah, no, but that's a good point. So I was backstage asking the people in charge, you know, why didn't I get, and I, I asked, I said, I'm so confused. Why didn't I get a standing O? And they said just that. They said, it's not a typical audience, right? This is, it's not like a, when you're doing an annual meeting and all these people work together and they, you know, this is an idea knowing there's a bunch of different speakers and you were the first one to go. People didn't really know what to expect. And so 
at a later point during the day, a man did get a standing O and, and the woman explained to me that, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for that type of response, it's typically better to be in the second part of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was kind of fortunate because I was last, I'd never had a standing ovation in the sense of delivering a talk that wasn't my own stage or my own event and having like strangers effectively appreciate what I'd said in that way. And I didn't expect it at all. I actually finished my talk again, like you so weird how we've got similarities here. I have a a specific way to end that ends on a big bang. And, um, there was like a two second void, like a vacuum where nothing happened. And I was like, Oh cool. That was, (laughs) you know, that was a good experience. And then all of a sudden people started like frantically clapping and I couldn't really see (gasps) the lights because it was so bright, you know, it could see like figure. And all of a sudden I saw people bolting up out of their seats. But all I could (gasps) think about Heather was, was, fucking got one of my fucking lines wrong like that was all I was thinking (laughs) and I was sort of I was watching the thing happen in front of me but almost like I was watching it on telly while sitting back thinking about my own life and I was like oh damn I got that bloody line wrong and then I was like well hang on a minute have a look at what's and like it was a strange 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 moment but like I'll remember that moment forever but yeah. Hey, look. Oh my gosh. You have to send it to me when it's out. I'm dying to see it now. Congratulations. Well, I'm, That's I'm, really powerful. I'm, cinema, I'm power watching yours. You can power watch mine and then we can say, Hey, look, there's a bit of, there's a bit of, uh, you know, another synergy here. I've got a funny feeling that there'll be some kind of connection. Um, I'm sure. But, um, Hey, um, just to finish with, I've got a couple of sort of quick fire questions. If you still got a couple of minutes. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what's the most other than what we've talked about here, or maybe it is, what's the most nervous that you've ever been? I, I might have to say the the TED talk, like for for a finite moment. I'd say right before I went on, yeah. Okay, and if you had to kind of explain that feeling in a picture, you know, an image, what would that image be so that people can relate to it? Horrible, like a horrible, <laughs> dark, awful. I like I don't like that. I don't ever want to go back there again. You know what saved me? There was a woman backstage who had a lavender essence essential oil, and she saw my face, and you know, because I turned from looking fine to like you know panicking, yeah. and she handed that to me, and I was sniffing it all over my nose so that I I I use lavender throughout my career and my life anytime I feel a little nervous for something, and it calms me down. And that really, I mean, lavender for the save in the last minute. It was amazing. Okay. Great advice. I think, um, anyone listening lavender, if you feel like you need that little bit of a calming essence, there it is. Um, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? There will always be another deal, another guy or another opportunity. Desperate is so unattractive. And, you know, that was someone who used to mentor me in business. But his point to me was don't get so hung up that you can't, you know, you got to keep moving forward. Yeah, I didn't get a hundred of the TED Talks I applied for. Just keep moving forward. You can't stay hung up on it and get yourself in that negative space. You got to take that next step and realize something else good is going to come along. Yeah. Great advice. What's the thing that you like to do to switch off in your downtime? Well, I have a 12 year old son, so he switches me off immediately. I don't have a choice. Like I, yesterday the Forbes article came out about me and I was so caught up and excited in it. And then he came home and he made the JV basketball team. So everything about me, Forbes, Ted, everything was, you know, pushed away. And we focused on him and his achievement and the hard work that he's put in to be the youngest kid on the team. And, you know, so he shifts me off immediately. And then he was so excited, you know, to walk me through the whole experience and, it's having my son is definitely the biggest joy in my life. Oh, that's nice. That's really cool. Um, now this one always is a good way of finding out about somebody. If you could have lunch with three people, either living or dead, who would they be? 
Definitely Oprah. I mean, she's such a powerhouse and represents to me, you know, such a strong female entity my entire life. I I would love, love, love to um, have that opportunity. And MLK Jr., I I really am am so intrigued by him and, and what he would think of the world today. That would be that would be an amazing person to have lunch with. Let me think who would be, um, the final who uh, I would love to have lunch with Kanye West. I think he's such a creative individual and so different, but I would just like that chance alone to be able to understand him. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I do. I think he's, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of his old music as well and you can really sort of hear, Uh, when you listen to the words now you can sort of get this clues as to his creative essence is so much more powerful than it was back then when we first heard it um now last question and again thank you so much for your time and it's really great how this all happened i really appreciate it um (laughs) for sure this one will help anybody that's listening because we all go through challenges we all go through changes we can be having a great time in life. We can be succeeding in our health, in our relationships, in our career. Uh, we can be really enjoying waking up and being the person who we are. But then the wind gets knocked out of our sails because something will happen. Someone will say something. Someone will not say something or something won't quite work out. And in those moments when the wind is knocked out of your sails, Heather, what is your strongest piece of advice that you could give the listeners today? This too shall pass. It's temporary. Everything's temporary. Those major highs and the major lows. And I shared this yesterday on LinkedIn. I threw my back out two years ago, right before I got fired. And I was wondering if I'd ever run again. And I'm a runner. And it was so hard for me mentally. I was getting caught up in that negativity. And then I really leaned into my rehab and recovery. And one day I walked into the rehab facility and they put me into this NASA-like anti-gravity machine and I could run. And that moment of, holy cow, I didn't know there was an anti-gravity machine. And that changed my mindset. No matter where you are, no matter what you're challenges. You don't know what that solution is yet. It's out there. Don't lose your hope because you just don't have all the information yet. So just keep moving forward. Just keep believing, put good out there in the world and watch your anti-gravity machine is going to show up too. Oh, that's cool. Now, uh, Heather Monahan, you are the author of Confidence Creator and that's available on Amazon. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. What's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to go find out more and keep an eye on your movements throughout the world? I'm on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Heather Monahan, And my website is heathermonahan.com. I have a free ebook you can download. I have an accountability partner free program that you get emails from me every day. And I'd love for you to check it out. Easy peasy. Thank you so much for being here on Tommy G Talks. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Hey, thank you for listening to that episode of Tommy G Talks. I really appreciate your comments, feedback, and interaction. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. Send them in to me on Twitter or Instagram at Tommy Gentleman, and I'll speak to you soon. See ya. Deeper into the truth.